and from Ukraine, a group called Quartet Hetman, the Hetman Quartet. And that song was, of course, traditional patriotic Ukrainian song, Oinahori Tajinsi Znuch, which translates as, Oh, on the mountain, the reapers are reaping. Dobry večer i vitaju na radio programu Naš Holos, radio Krinskoho Korinja, na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Hovorit Pavlina. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's program, we're going to be taking a deep dive into one of the books that has been uh, reviewed here on Nash Holos. And we'll be speaking with a listener who bought the book, read the book, and has some very interesting insights to share about it. And of course, we'll also refresh your memory with the original uh, Kanishka Corner book review. So stay tuned for that. We've also got Olena coming on with some announcements about some events coming up in Vancouver's Ukrainian community, as well our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music, and uh, quite a bit of it new at least new to the Nasholos Music Library. And up next is an artist by the name of Roban, Roman Zahuba, and here he is with a song called Pisnia Pro Divchat, a song about girls and heartache. <laughs> І ті, що найгірші з них, не виходять з моїх думок. Скидай блискучу шкіру декілька днів підряд. З'їж моє серце, відріж моє крила, пустив мою кров свій яд. Пустив мою кров свій яд. Дівчата сховались надійно в дорослих сумних щенках І ті, що найкращі з них, станцюють на моїх кістках Заради швидкої втіхи, заради твоїх принад Я віддаю свою душу і тіло, пустив мою кров свій яд Пустив мою кров свій яд Жалібно плачуть дорослі хлопчики ні Залатане серце сховаю в пляшку Шукайте його на дні Я десь загубив свою душу і віру Серед пустих розмов Ламай мої груди, не знаючи міри Пусти свіят в мою кров Пусти свіят в мою кров
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Holos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenkofoundation.ca. Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications, and when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com, or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. young artist from Ukraine by the name of Kristonko, and that was uh, Volodymyr Ivasyuk classic, Pisnia Bude Pomizhnas, The Song Will Be Among Us. And coming up next is another young singer from Ukraine. Uh, this is a young man that goes by the name of Malyarevsky, and he sings with himself in four-part harmony. And here he is with another Ivasyuk classic, Jovtilest, Yellow Leaves. Mm-hmm. 
глибокий лист, гнаний вітром, пролітає повз мене. Він більше сюди не повернеться. Не повернеться, мабуть, і я. Бо навіщо? Моє кохання, як той жовтий лист. Він може впасти тільки до твоїх ніг. Не знаю я, коли сюди прийду. Та залишаю замість себе Зібрав саду для тебе, для тебе, а може завтра ти пройдеш ось тут, де вітер пелюстки колише, так знай, що щастя своє тут залиши. Залишив я Дійсно, можливо, завтра ти пройдеш біля місця нашої зустрічі Можливо, побачиш місто нідерунок нашому коханню Якщо вітер не розвіє ці квіти, не чіпай їх Буде мертві Нехай вони лежать, викликаючи хвилинку суму у закоханих Що проходять повз них не знаю я, коли сюди прийду, та залишаю замість себе ці квіти, що знайшов в саду для тебе, для тебе. А може завтра ти пройдеш ось тут, де вітер Щастя своє тут залишив, залишив я, залишив, залишив я. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Stories about Ukraine and Ukrainians in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Glenn Husser's novel, Firebird. Firebird is an historical novel written for young adults. It explores Canada's history of ethnic discrimination during the First World War. Canada entered the war in August 1914 to aid Great Britain against Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Many immigrants had come to Canada at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century to escape oppression and poverty in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. When war broke out, they were labeled enemy aliens by the War Measures Act, which was passed in August 1914. Many were imprisoned in forced labor camps across Canada. Glenn Husser's novel explores the impact of this unjust imprisonment on one Ukrainian family. 14-year-old Alex Kaminsky and his older brother Marco live with their uncle Andrew on an Alberta farm. Marco is a talented artist, but he decides he must find work with a threshing crew in September 1915. One night in early December, Alex's uncle drinks too much moonshine and falls into a deep sleep. During the night, the house catches fire and he perishes. Alex is badly burned, but manages to get out of the house. His neighbors, the Wallaces, take him home to nurse him back to health. As he recovers, he remembers the tragedy of his family journey to Canada and the deaths of his parents in Hamburg. The medicine hadn't helped. Both he and Marco had tried desperately to nurse them, but Mama slipped away first, and three days later, Tato closed his eyes for the last time. When the Wallace family learns about the death of their oldest son, Robin, who was fighting in Europe, they are devastated. Suddenly, Alex feels as if some of the family is blaming him for Robin's death. 
just because he came from Eastern Europe and was now considered an enemy alien. What were they thinking? That he had somehow been responsible for Robin's death? Alex knows he must leave, and he goes to live with Mr. Bales, the owner of the general store. Alex gets a letter from his brother Marco, who was working for Mr. Granger, an abusive employer in Vagreville. Marco has befriended Granger's young Ukrainian wife, Stella. He does not yet know about the fire. Alex decides he must find Marco. In his heart, he knew that he had to go and search for Marco. They were meant to be together. It's what Mama and Tato would have wanted. Alex begins a difficult and dangerous journey to find Marco. He takes the train to Vagreville, but discovers that his brother was arrested for theft and sent to a labor camp for enemy aliens. Stealing Granger's money? Alex felt like screaming with the outrage of it. It must have been his wages. Granger must have tried doing him out of what he's earned in the months he worked for him. When Alex visits Granger, the farmer manages to steal Alex's money as well. Now penniless, Alex must once again rely on the kindness of strangers. He is befriended by Carl Arneson, a Norwegian carpenter who takes him home and sends him to school. His grade six teacher, Mr. Delane, adopts him when Carl's family can no longer support Alex. Eventually, the teacher's family helps Alex free Marco from the Castle Mountain internment camp in Banff. This well-written and exciting story will introduce young readers to the injustice of the internment camps in Canada during the First World War. By 1920, Canada had imprisoned over 8,000 men in these forced labor camps. More than a 100 of them died of disease and malnutrition. Some, like Marco and his friend Ivan, were injured or even killed trying to escape. However, the most devastating effect of internment was the psychological damage inflicted on the prisoners, who struggled with their unjust imprisonment for the rest of their lives. In recognition of these injustices, in 2008, the Canadian government created a $10 million First World War Internment Recognition Fund to support commemoration projects. This is a very personal novel for Glenn Husser. In his dedication, he states, In memory of my father, Harry Husser, an immigrant boy, artist, and musician. His parents were Norwegian immigrants who struggled to make a new home for themselves in Canada, like the Kaminsky family. Both Alex and Marco are courageous and determined young men who love their family and their Ukrainian culture. Despite the obvious injustice of the forced labor camps, both brothers find good people to help them survive. Marco falls in love with Granger's brutalized wife, Stella. Alex is helped by several Canadian families and finally finds a home with his teacher's widowed Aunt Maddie. The image of Marco's drawing of the firebird, a bird which rises from the ashes and triumphs in the end, reverberates throughout this poignant novel. When asked about the firebird's magic, Alex states that the bird dies in the fall, but in spring it rises in brilliance from its own ashes. Glenn Husser has been a teacher, school librarian, journalist, and sessional lecturer in children's literature and creative writing at the University of Alberta and the University of British Columbia. His first novel, Grace Lake, was shortlisted for the 1992 W.H. Smith Books in Canada First Novel Award. His books for young adult readers have won many awards, such as the 2003 Governor General's Literary Award winner, Stitches, and the 2007 Governor General's Silver Medal Award winner, Skinny Bones and the Wrinkle Queen. 
His short stories have appeared in literary magazines such as Plenitude and The New Quarterly. Glenn lives in Vancouver, where he continues to write as well as pursue interests in art and film studies. Firebird is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thank you, Myra, for another thorough and thoughtful review. Join us again soon for another Kanishka Corner Book Review with Myra Junik here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In the meantime, if you'd like to listen again to this or Myra's previous reviews or read the transcript, you can find them archived at our website, www.nasholos.com. settled down and our warrior cossacks looked sadly round to see how many brethren they had lost they'd cry out at the heavy cost it wasn't the first time their swords had clashed and they knew very well wouldn't be the last they'd pray to god they had a war to win their beloved homeland would rise again They prayed to God in heaven above, how much more could they withstand? They placed holy crosses into the ground, and soon new strength to go on was found. Their faith had brought them another day. They'd get back on their feet and say, they'd say, Many sacrifices, many went to heaven's gate. But when the winds of freedom swept across Ukraine in the summer of 91, you could hear generations from the past join together with those of today as one and yell, As I watched my father be laid to rest in this his, but not his land. I looked my boy straight in the eyes, and I'd pray to God he'd understand. I said, this was a faithful son of Ukraine. Remember and cherish this bond. And then my son looked at me, and he said with a strength that seemed to come from a world beyond. He said, story of Ukrainian settlement to Canada in one short story song that was Shum with Budmo. Up next, a young man from Vegerville by the name of Brandon Hachkowski. Here he is with the dulcimer polka. <laughs> Thank you. 
Ви слухайте радіопрограму «Наш голос» радіо Кринського Кориня. При микрофоні Павліна. You're listening to «Наш голос» Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Павліна. Ukrainian group Teen Sonsia with Yikale Kozake, the Riding Cossacks. Also, alternate title for that song is Slaves Were Not Allowed Into Paradise. <music> Up next, Reader Reaction, a listener's perspective on books featured on Knishka Corner Book Reviews here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. The book being discussed today is Firebird by Vancouver author Glenn Huser. It's a young adult novel that tells the story of two orphaned teenage boys from Ukraine who found themselves embroiled in the wartime hysteria of World War I and Canada's first internment operations. Joining us now is David from New York State to share his reactions and thoughts on the book Firebird by Vancouver author Glenn Huser. Welcome, David, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paula. Great to be here. Now, you're a little bit of a history buff, which is, I think, why you like uh, so many of the books here on Nasholos. Uh, this is a novel for young adults, and you're a mature adult. How did you find the book? I thought it was very easy reading from the standpoint of from middle school upward, would be able to comprehend the information without... And it'll be like a free flow, but obviously it's a very difficult topic mm-hmm. because of the tragedies that were involved. Mm-hmm. Did you did you find it was it, it captivated you as a as a mature adult reader? Yes, yes. I mean, it, what's interesting is that I found out about the internment from your show. I did not know anything about the uh, 
Ukrainian, Eastern European internment during oh. World War One. Before you know, I heard Nash Hollow. So we're oh. talking, you know, 2019 is when I found out about it. Oh. I knew about, of course, in the United States. You know, the Japanese internment in World War Two is definitely something that most Americans are very well aware of, but nothing about what happened in Canada about Eastern Europeans being interned in World War One. So that was real. That's that's something that I learned. And this was actually the fifth book about the subject that I read uh, because of your show. Every The other four are also reviewed on your show. If you'd like me to mention them, I'd be very happy. To. Sure. The four books, uh, one was uh, by Marsha Skripik, and the name of the book is uh, Dear Canada, Prisoners in the Promised Land, mm, Ukrainian book. Internment Diary of Anna Skolnuk, and Spirit Lake, Quebec, is where the uh, tragedy took place, the, the internment during World War One. Yeah, that was a great book. Second, yeah, it really was. That was written, I think, in 2007, if I recall. The second one was also by Marsha, Dance of the Banished, in mm. 2014. That book actually was very interesting because it combined two themes, the internment and the... Uh, Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. So it took place in two parts of the world. Mm-hmm. A husband and wife were involved in that, and one was in prison. The other one was trying to survive because of the uh, Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. The other book uh, by Marsha was a short story. It was actually in the book that you actually had a short story in that I highly recommend, called Its Children, A Century of Untold Ukrainian Stories. That was written in 2006. Mm-hmm. And the other book was written by Barbara Sapagier, and oh. it's called Blood and Salt. Right. And like Fiber, this book also took place in Alberta for the most part, but it also began in Galicia. Uh-huh. So you had some knowledge then of the setting of this story, Firebird. Yes, yes. Because of those books, I did, yes. So did you find any surprises in this story, something new that you learned that you hadn't in the other books? I don't know if there was anything specifically I, that I learned, except that one thing was reinforced much more in this book, I think, than in any of the other books. To me, personally, is that as an American, it, it was hard for me to comprehend how much Canada was involved in the affairs of Great Britain. I know Canada was part of the uh, of the Commonwealth, but I did not realize the extent that if Great Britain went to war, Canada automatically went to war. And just the whole mindset. And I think that really contributed greatly to the tragedy of what happened, you know, with the people considered alien enemies. Because mm-hmm. the, in, in the war, Germany and uh, the Austria-Hungarian Empire were the aliens. They were the enemies. But unfortunately, people carried things over in a way that absolutely was totally off base. Yeah, it would be kind of like people here in Canada today discriminating against Ukrainian refugees escaping the war in Ukraine right now. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, regardless of what's one's opinion about the war, the refugees are, are totally different situation. These people are trying to survive. And uh, God willing, you know, they'll have good lives in Canada or you know, the best they would, if they would like to, they can go back to Ukraine eventually. But it's, it's really hard to comprehend that people are being blamed, individual people are being blamed for conflicts that have nothing to do with it. And that comes up in this book too, doesn't it? To the characters, the yes. two, two young brothers. Absolutely. I think that was really, you know, I think one of the major things of this book also is that you have some people that were absolutely the best humanitarians in the world. There were four people that really stood out. The store owner, Mr. Bayless, and the Norwegian worker, Carl Arneson from Edmonton. He was a carpenter. And the teacher at Edmonton, Mr. Dalian, and his aunt who lived in Calgary, Aunt Maddie. These people were absolutely extraordinary. They went the extra 10 miles to mm-hmm. try to help Alex and uh, through him, his brother. But then you have people like Liz, Mrs. Eddie, the nurse who uh, uh, nursed back Alex after the terrible fire that claimed his uncle's life. She was absolutely evil beyond beyond shadow of a doubt. 
Yeah. Considered him an enemy alien. And then you have Mr. Granger from the uh, farm and uh, outside Vegerville. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. Ve- oh, uh, Vegerville. Vegerville? Yeah, it's where the big uh, the big egg is, the Ukrainian <laughs> egg from Easter. Right. That's how I, you know, originally found out about that town. Right. Uh, he lived five, he had a farm outside the town five miles from there. And this man was absolutely cruel. Unfortunately, he was in a you know in a war and he lost his hand, so he had like a claw, you know, as a hand. But you know, he stole from Marco, you know, the brother, and uh, it was really unbelievable. You know, basically he took wages from the from him, and you know, Marco was such a hardworking person, and uh, you know, he really did everything he could for Mister Granger and his wife Stella, and he didn't get his fair wages. And then eventually, you know, he's the one that got through his connections and everything. He got uh, Marco in turn. So he was one that was really evil. And then the principal of the school in Edmonton basically was another very cruel person. And uh, just a terrible situation where you had like some people, they blamed everything on Alex and his brother. And they had nothing to do with uh, the terrible situation going on, you know, in Europe. So the story is about two teenage boys who end up as immigrants to Canada, fleeing the Austro-Hungarian Empire. What happened to their parents? Unfortunately, they both got sick when they were living in in Germany, in Hamburg, and uh, they both passed away three days apart. Wow. And so First the mother and then the father. And wow. then... Uh, you know, they both wanted the brothers to stay together. And that was really a major theme of the book. You know, they were real. The brothers were just in- inseparable. I mean, uh, Alex, you know, his brother Marco got him on the ship. You know, basically, that was not an easy thing to do. And uh, it was one of those things where they both did everything they could for each other. I mean, you can't ask for a better set of siblings. And the parents had just great values. And it was just really sad that neither one of them live to uh, have the opportunity to uh, to go to Canada. But the boys did have an uncle here in Canada. That's right. And they, he lived on a farm, and uh, unfortunately, a fire claimed him his life. He was drinking moonshine, and uh, he may never have even known that. The, hopefully, he did not know what actually happened because uh, it was just a terrible situation. Alex was very badly hurt in the fire, but he thankfully, he survived. And they were in a strange country. A couple of teenage boys didn't know the language, didn't know the customs, but yet they managed to somehow win the hearts of some kind strangers who helped them. Absolutely. And it was interesting, though, even though Ukrainian was their number one language, their mother put such an emphasis on education, and they both were able to uh, speak English and write in English, even though that wasn't their first language. You know, obviously they needed to... uh, get to a higher level, but the fact that they were able to do it as well as they did, I think it's really a credit to uh, their parents and their mother was just just a great person in terms of being on top of their needs and everything. So you found that the characterization in the book was quite vivid, I gather, as you're talking about the characters of the book as if they were actual, you know, real people. This is a fiction novel, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, it felt like real people. I mean, (laughs) It really felt like I was living, you know, at that time and uh, watching what was transpiring. It felt like I was part of the story as a reader. Wow. So historical facts were good. The setting was was also very vivid. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that's interesting to me is because I have a lot of familiarity with Alberta. I was there in 1994, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Banff, all these places that were in the book. And so I was familiar with them. And of course, because of my familiarity with Canadian politics and Alberta politics, I'm familiar with, and and your show, all of this combined, I'm familiar with, you know, Lethbridge and uh, Vegaville that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these places I'm familiar with. So I felt like, you know, I was definitely connected to uh, to the setting. Wow. So was there anything in particular that stood out after after you've you know you read the book, anything that kind of created a a memorable mention. 
Yes, and I think it gets back to the collective blame that we talked about in, uh, mm. you know, Blue, Blue Riviera, you know, that whole discussion uh, in our previous interview. Collective blame really is the number one theme of this book. If it wasn't for collective blame, none of this would have happened, and none of it should have happened, and it's inexcusable. One of the things that, you know, is attention-getting is over 8,000 people were interned. Mm-hmm. You know, Eastern Europeans were interned. Over 100 died of disease and malnutrition. Some, you know, were injured or even killed when they tried to escape. So, so many lives and the families of these people were adversely affected to the nth degree because of collective blame. Yeah, yeah. So it, many more books could be written about it, I'm sure. Absolutely. Like I mentioned, you know, I read the other, you know, four books, and uh, I still want to learn more about this topic. I mean, there's so much wow. about it that has to be, you know, there's untold. The individual stories, one thing that is great as, as uh, books can be, you know, like historical books, your mm-hmm. actual historical books, you know, about like textbooks, Let's, that may be a better way to describe it. These historical fiction books, or it was a historical nonfiction book about actual people in actual settings, mm-hmm. that to me is something you can learn so much from that you may either forget or certain things until you read the book, or you may learn different subtleties that, you know, and you may not even realize that you're learning certain things mm-hmm. until uh, much later on, but things store in your mind. But these books... Uh, about the human being, human life, actual stories, that to me is mm-hmm. invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, actor Jim Caviezel just recently said something to the effect that storytellers are the ones with the power to get a message across for sure. And I think one of the things that Marsha does such a great job of, you know, in all her books, she's such a great storyteller and uh, she focuses on so many different topics. You know, you know, like the internment and mm-hmm. about the Holocaust and the Holodomor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I've read 15 or 16 of her books, and I think she's such a good storyteller. And yeah. there's other, you know, other, a lot of these other authors, I think also that you've had on your show, I think they do a very good job also. And, you know, when Lucia certainly, you know, this is the first book I've read that he wrote, I give him uh, high praise and highly recommend his book. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much. That sounds like it is a fascinating book, and I hope our listeners who have not read it yet will do so. I really hope so, too, and I really appreciate the opportunity to discuss the book with you and your listeners. Well, and it's great to have you on to get your perspective and your reaction, David. So thank you so much, and look forward to uh, hearing your perspective and reaction on the next book here on Reader Reaction. Nash Holos. Thank you. You're so very much. welcome, Paula. Thank you again. Many thanks to our loyal listener, David from New York, for sharing his reaction and thoughts about the young adult novel Firebird by Vancouver author Glenn Huser. You can find a transcript of the original Kanishka Corner book review by Myra Jenick and a link to purchase the book Firebird at our website, www.nashholos.com. Та вона холодна, 
praia, homem tosse Hei, hei, ha, ha, ha Que o chimarite na balada Hei, hei, ha, ha, ha Que o chimarite na balada Here's what's coming up this week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. On Tuesday, September 26, at 10.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m., come for showcasing stunning piano and vocal works from Ukraine's classical music repertory, performed by Ukrainian-Canadian mezzo-soprano Terin Plater and acclaimed pianist Perry Lowe. This concert is a heartfelt celebration of Ukrainian opera and song, introducing audiences to hidden Ukrainian gems. This extraordinary program will be performed at 10.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. at the Silk Purse Arts Center, located in West Vancouver. Tickets can be purchased in advance. They are $20 for members and $24 for non-members. Please visit westvanartscouncil.ca to purchase the tickets. Limited tickets are available at the door. Join an engaging and fun English conversation circle exclusively designed for Ukrainian women. It is organized by the Gloria Day Lutheran Church at 1110 Gladwin Drive in North Vancouver. This event is a fantastic opportunity to improve the English language skills while connecting with other Ukrainian speakers in a friendly and supportive environment. Come and join the group every Saturday afternoon from 1 p.m. till 3 p.m. For eight weeks, from October 7th to November 25th. Don't miss out on this wonderful opportunity to enhance your language skills in a safe, relaxed and enjoyable setting. Приєднуйтесь до клубу розмовної англійської мови, створеному виключно для українських жінок. Група організована Лютеранською церквою Glory Day, що знаходиться в Північному Ванкувері. Приходьте до Лютеранської церкви Glory Day щосуботи після обіду з 13.00 до 15.00 протягом восьми тижнів з 7 жовтня по 25 листопада. Не пропустіть цю чудову можливість покращити свої розмовні навички в безпечній, невимушеній та приємній обстановці. On Wednesdays, tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area at 11 a.m. Pacific time on CHLY 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. And at 6 p.m. Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com for another hour of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Please send us your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. In between broadcasts, visit our Facebook page and for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feed, and a link to our Patreon site where you can support our work if you like, visit our website at www.nasholos.com.
Paris Takeya from Winnipeg with the Tillin Kolomeka, and that was performed on simply a piece of copper pipe with just two holes, one in each end. Before Olena's announcements, you heard uh, Anatoly Rudenko and the Folklore Ensemble Kiev with Mojera's Divchenenku, Once I Had a Girl. Up next, Mickey and Bunny, the legendary duo with a song about a ne'er-do-well, Kalabai. Their proverb of the week translates as, For the hungry, everything is delicious, but for the well-fed, everything is stale. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast link at our website, www.nasholos.com. Well, our time is up, so we'll wrap it up with one last toe-tapper by Mickey and Eugene. The happy polka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of Olena, myself, and all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich!
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you.